Okay, thoughts about manifestations to your heart. I'm hoping that over the last week, as you looked back, you realized how often He is with us and that those manifestations comes often as normal human emotions. Now, not every act of courage is God was with me because we've seen very evil people be very brave. I mean, it takes a level of courage to con someone and to harm them. So not every act of courage is God with us. But when God is with us, one of the ways it's manifest is in righteous courage. And you begin to recognize so many of those. And I hope that your confidence is starting to grow that Heavenly Father really is with me. And so I really want to open, have that conversation today as we do messages to our mind. So just as a placeholder, we talked about the fact that revelation comes in two ways. Revelation comes to our heart. And this is really, he's just with me. God is with me. He's just holding my hand in the dark. He's comfort, he's strength, he's confidence, he's courage, he's softening. Not so much a message as much as it's just him with me. And I hope your earthly parents play that same role. My kids are so funny. My 21-year-old comes in from the backyard and will say, where's mom? And I'll say, she's upstairs. Then he makes a sandwich. Did, did you need her? No. Nope. I just need to know she's there. And she, he made a sandwich. And I thought, isn't that one of the most significant roles that Heavenly Father and the Savior play in our life? Just the comfort of the Spirit. Are you, are you there today? Are you there today, Heavenly Father? I'm here. And just be with me. So learn to recognize that as revelation. As Heavenly Father is with me, and he doesn't necessarily need to tell me things to do. I just want him to be with me. But there are times I need direction. And so in his language, I will give you messages to your mind. I will speak to your mind. And these, this is direction. This is when I need help from a divine source. Lord, where do I go to school? What do I do? I'm, I'm in those decisions. So what are some of the ways he's going to speak to me? I know you probably have a go-to. I know you probably recognize, well, he puts thoughts in my head or whatever your go-to is. So let's open up the scriptures and let's list as many as we have time for in a hope to simply say, oh, I get that one. I get that one. I've had that happen. And I really want to start to recognize that not every reminder comes from God, but one of the things God does is he reminds us. Not every thought comes from God, but one of the things God does is puts thoughts in my head. So let's go through the list. Let's start in section six, verse 20, I think it's 22 and 23. I'm pretty sure it starts at 22. It's either 22 or 23 or 23, 24. But this is where Oliver Cowdery is asking for a second witness. Now remember, Oliver Cowdery is going to change his occupation. He's a teacher. He's going to leave his teaching position and become a scribe full-time for Joseph Smith. Don't you think that merits direction from God? A confirmation at least. And so he prayed. And in section 6, 
the Lord reminds him how he answered. So this is in the past. Naomi, would you mind? 23, 22 and 23. Yep. Verily, verily, I say unto you, if you desire further witness, cast your mind upon the night that you cried unto me in your heart, that you might know concerning the truth of So there's the request for direction, right? So what needs to come is a message to his mind. How did it come? Okay, so peace to his mind. Now, do you remember when we did comfort? I think comfort is peace to my heart. Everything's okay, child. I'm here. But peace to my mind is a calming of the storm. I am in confusion with regards to my decision. Should I go on a mission? Should I stay? I don't know. It's so confusing. And then all of a sudden comes peace. Peace to my mind in the midst of confusion is him answering. Just a little calming of the confusion storm, and it brings me direction. I know, I'm guessing you've all felt that, that I've been very confused about this, and now I have this unusual peace regarding it. Go on a mission. I've been so confused and now I feel really peaceful. That's one of the ways he answers. That is a manifestation from God. Peace to my mind in a confusing circumstance. He brought me peace. Now, very related to that, kind of a similar feeling, is section 9, verse 8. Not so much the burning in the bosom. I, I think that is so misunderstood. I want to go to the end of the verse. Now, this is you're deciding between right and maybe not so right. And one of the decisions is clearly better than the other. And I know it because what do I receive? What do I feel? I feel it is right. Now, I know those are similar, but I want to list them differently because I think they kind of come differently. Sometimes the situation is confusing and he brings peace. Sometimes uh, A or B, A or B. It's not confusing as much as it's, ooh, that's good. But that might be good too. And I don't know, A or B. I know which one's right. I know which one's right. I get this often. I know the right thing to do. I also get this one. You know what? I feel really peaceful about that decision. I've been confused, but now all of a sudden I feel really peaceful. Do you see manifestations from Heavenly Father? Um, I, had not a planned, I had not planned on attending the university I attended. All my high school years, I'd planned on attending another school. I got a scholarship offer. I didn't know if it was right. So I drove up to the school, parked, and as I was walking down into the main part of campus, just this overwhelming, this is the right place. I just knew it. This is right. So I jumped in full, full force. So those are two very powerful manifestations. Now, let me get on my soapbox because I think this one is one of the most common ways God manifests us. And it's also one of the m most unrecognized. I am going to testify this 
is a constant source of direction that you sometimes don't acknowledge. In fact, I probably say frequently don't acknowledge. So let me see if I can just emphasize this third. I wanted to do these two first to get you saying, yeah, I've had that. I've had peace to my mind. I felt it was right. But let's go to the very next verse. Now, it doesn't give us a phrase, but you, you tell me your phrase. What would the opposite of feel it is right be? What would the opposite be? Feel it is wrong. Now, I want to ask you a very blunt, and, and I know this is a personal question, but how many times have you done something wrong and not known almost immediately it was wrong? How often does he tell you you're doing something wrong? Every freaking time, right? You shouldn't have said that, Rice. You should not have said that. You should not be doing this. It's almost in the act of doing it that prompting comes. This is not the right thing to do. How often does he say you're doing the wrong thing when I'm doing the wrong thing? That, that voice is as constant as anything I could say in my life. I don't think I've ever done anything that was wrong without knowing deep in my soul that he's telling me it's wrong. So here's the thing I want to point out. Our Heavenly Father respects our agency, and He doesn't often tell us everything to do. He doesn't tell me what toothpaste to buy or what clothes to wear today. He didn't tell me which street to go down to get to this institute. That would be an overact. I mean, that would be overburdening me and my agency. Wouldn't you agree? But He's very quick to tell me when I'm wrong. What am I doing if I'm not doing the wrong thing? I'm doing the right thing. The absence of that voice is one of the most powerful ways He guides us. The absence of Him telling, him, uh, telling me I'm doing the wrong thing is him acknowledging I'm on the right course. Do you see what I'm trying to say? He does not dictate everything I should do, but as long as I'm going the right direction, tell me what he does. He just lets it go. So by not saying something, what's he doing? He's guiding me. He's guiding me by not telling me I'm doing something wrong. Do you see how often you receive revelation then? Do you see how often Heavenly Father is mindful of what you're doing and is in a way communicating that with you? The absence of Him saying I'm going the wrong way is one of the ways He's confirming I'm going the right way, but it's by not hearing a voice. And the more we can recognize he is not telling me this is wrong. Therefore, I have great confidence that I'm going the right direction, and he's just letting me choose. Do you see how he operates? And once you acknowledge that, you have to acknowledge how often is he aware of you? How often is he, in essence, communicating with you? All the time. He's either telling me I'm doing the wrong thing, or he's acknowledging that it's fine. 
And this is not something. So sometimes, now we're going to talk about this when we get to the rules of Revelation. He speaks when I'm in danger. But if I'm going the right direction and I'm not in danger and I'm just generally going in the right way, what would you do if you were him? Just let him go. I'm watching. I know. I'm watching. She's fine. Tell me that's not revelation. Tell me that's not Heavenly Father guiding my life. Very aware of what I'm doing and helping me go the right direction. When I finally caught on to that concept, I realized how much he guides me. Because he's either telling me that I'm wrong or he's just letting me go because I'm going the right direction. Can I say something? And if someone walked by, they would not understand, but you understand. I did not marry my wife because she was the right one. I married her because she wasn't the wrong one. I do not believe there is a right one. I don't, we don't believe that. We don't believe you are foreordained to marry one particular person and you have to find him. I believe Heavenly Father sent lots of matches for both of you. There are lots of wonderful people that would be a very good match for you. So if you're not looking for a right one, what's perhaps one of the best guides he's going to give you? He'll warn you when it's the wrong one. Has he? As I was going to say, has he ever warned you that that is the wrong way to go? That is not the person for you. Now, tell me what that tells you if you're dating and that voice doesn't come. This one's fine, Naomi. This one's a good match. The only question is, do you choose him? Do you see how revelation sometimes works? So I, I'll admit, I was hoping Heavenly Father would do this with my spouse, with when Jen and I were engaged. I was really hoping I would get the overwhelming, she's the right one. I wanted to just feel like I felt about the university. I walked onto that university and I knew that was the right place. And I wanted that same feeling with regards to her. And it never came. We dated and we dated and we dated and it never came. I planned on proposing. The day I planned on proposing, I was in the temple in the morning and I just said, Heavenly Father, I'm going to propose. And then all of a sudden it dawned on me that he had so many opportunities to warn me and to say something wasn't right, that this was not a good fit. And he never once said that. And so my prayer changed in the temple. I said, Heavenly Father, if she's wrong, if this is the wrong thing to do, I need you to stop me. I need you to warn me. Tell me if it's wrong. And he never did. Now, after 33 years, I can look back and say, she was right. But I think others could have been right as well. I'm grateful I chose her. It's been a fantastic fit. But I knew she wasn't the wrong one. Does that make sense? Do you see in this one a better way to guide us than these two? Now, there are moments I definitely need peace 
and I need, and that's why they're in the scriptures, because he does. He does say this is the right thing to do. But this one is such a means of him communicating with me. Let me give you an example. Analia, how are you? Let me give you an example. I meant to turn this off. Let me give you an example of what happens when he tells you what's wrong. This is Elder Holland and his son, Matt. I think Matt is president of UVU, or at least he was, Matt Holland. But this is when Matt was young. Um, They had this conversation. So they had been traveling down. They got to a fork in the road. They both felt impressed to go left. And then they very quickly found out that it was a dead end. It was the wrong choice. So they turned around and they're going the right direction. And Matt says to his dad, Dad, why did we both feel like Heavenly Father told us to go down the road to the left when it was the wrong road? Why did Heavenly Father tell us the wrong road? Answer, Maddie, I've been thinking and silently praying about that same thing all the way home because I really did feel a very distinct impression to take the road to the left. The Lord has taught us an important lesson today. Because we were prompted to take the road to the left, we quickly discovered which one was the right one. In other words, I know the right way to go because I know which road is the wrong way. That is so important to understand. When we turned around and got on the right road, I was able to travel along its many unfamiliar twists and turnoffs, perfectly confident I was headed in the right direction. Why? How can he be confident he's headed in the right direction if the Lord hasn't confirmed it? Because he knows what? It's not the wrong road. I know it's not the wrong road. Therefore, I am confident I'm headed in the right direction. That's revelation. That's a key component of revelation. If we had started on the right road, we might have driven 30 minutes or so, become uneasy with its unfamiliar surroundings, and been tempted to turn back. If we had done that, we would have discovered the dead end so late that it would would have been too dark to find our way back in totally unfamiliar territory. It is my strong testimony that one of the chief ways He guides you is with the voice that you're doing the wrong thing. If you are not doing the wrong thing, then you should have confidence that you're moving in the right direction. That's a brilliant understanding of revelation. If I were to give you a ride home, if you said, hey, Brother Dunford, could I get a ride? My car's not working. I need a ride home. Would you give me turn-by-turn directions? Would you, okay, now back out of the stall and turn slightly to the left because you're going to go to the exit, which is right there. And then you're going to go out to 90th South, and you're going to turn left. Would you give me turn-by-turn instructions? No. When would you speak? Major decisions. Oh, this is important. It's important that you turn left, so let me speak. And when else would you speak? When I went the wrong way. Boom! That's That's it. Important decisions when you've got to get it right, or when I went the wrong way. Tell me Heavenly Father doesn't do the same thing. So him not speaking me, am I not receiving revelation? 
or am I just headed the right way? Boom. That is an important aspect of Revelation. Okay, so now let's do this. What does he put in my mind? Let's kind of make a list. What does Heavenly Father put into my mind? How does revelation to my mind come? Well, I don't, there's, there's so many references. I don't necessarily, I'm going to put a reference here, but he puts thoughts, right? We've all experienced that. He put a thought into my mind. Turn left or make sure you talk to that person. He puts thoughts. The question with that one, though, I don't know if you've ever wrestled with that. What's the wrestle? Is it me or was it him? Is it me or is it him? For example, and, and it may not matter, but it is important to know when it's him. For example, um, when I was a kid, when I was a teenager, we went to Lake Powell every year. We rented a houseboat and we'd cliff jump. It was one of our favorite things. One day we found this beautiful little bay and there was a beach and you could climb up and then there was this 40 foot drop. So we parked the houseboat right by the drop where we would be jumping in. And all of us jumped in and were swimming over to the beach to climb. My dad got the strongest impression, move the houseboat. And it wouldn't stop, move the houseboat. So he did, he moved it over by the beach and we were so disappointed because now when we jump, we're gonna have to swim over. But not five minutes after he moves the houseboat, a massive chunk of that cliff breaks off, slides down and lands right where the houseboat would have been. I'm sitting on the beach with my feet in the water and the wave that it created went over my head. That's how big the rock was. Now that was a life-saving thought. Now, how many times on my way home from work, I stop at a store, I'm on my way, I'm out of the car and into, walking into the store when a thought occurs. You left the back door unlocked and my laptop's in the back. I, you left the back door locked. So I turn around and go back and guess what? It's locked. <laughs> Which meant that was not revelation, that was just me and my worrisome nature. Now, was it horrible that I went back and checked the car? No, but it is important to learn to distinguish between me and him. So how? How do I distinguish? Welcome. Nice. <laughs> how do I distinguish between his thoughts and my thoughts? Let me make that a little bit more intriguing. Boyd K. Packer, an apostle, said this. And I, I was really disappointed when I heard it, but then I was really grateful afterwards. He said, as an apostle, I listen now to the same inspiration coming from the same source in the same way that I listened to as a boy. My first thought was, dang. <laughs> they don't get revelation any differently than I do. The Lord puts thoughts in his head as an apostle the same way he did as a boy. But then the difference, what's the difference? I've learned to recognize it. I've learned to know, I've learned to recognize which thoughts are his and which thoughts are mine. 
He gave another example. Boyd K. Packer gave another example. Just let me read this before we talk about um, Uh, where did I put it? Here it is. Many years ago, Don Bur John Burroughs, a naturalist, one summer evening was walking through a crowded park. Above the sounds of city life, he heard the song of a bird. He stopped and listened. Those with him had not heard it. He looked around. No one else had noticed it. It bothered him that everyone should miss something so beautiful. He took a coin from his pocket, flipped it into the air. It struck the pavement with a ring no louder than the song of the bird. Everyone turned. They could hear that. It is difficult to separate from the sounds of city traffic the song of a bird. But you can hear it. You can hear it plainly if you train yourself to listen for it. One of our sons has always been interested in radio. When he was a little fellow, his Christmas present was a very elementary radio construction set. As he grew and as we could afford it, and as he could earn it, he received more sophisticated equipment. There have been many times over the years, some very recent, when I have sat with him as he talked with someone in a distant part of the world, I could hear static and interference and catch a word or two and sometimes several voices at once. Yet he can understand, for he has trained himself to tune out the interference. It is difficult to separate from the confusion of life that quiet voice of inspiration. Unless you attune yourself, you'll miss it. So how do I recognize thoughts that he's put in my head? How do I separate them from the billion thoughts I put in my head? Let me give you something that Joseph Smith taught. Here's a solution. And once I realized this, after I read this, oh my goodness, I couldn't believe how many times it happened. Joseph Smith taught... Come on, jump to it. There. A person may profit by noticing the first intimation of the spirit of revelation. For instance, when you feel pure intelligence flowing into you, it may give you sudden strokes of ideas. So that by noticing it, here's the practice, ready? By noticing the sudden stroke of an idea, you may find it fulfilled that same day or soon. Those things that were presented unto your mind by the Spirit of God will come to pass. And thus, by learning the Spirit of God. That's interesting. Learning by noticing things that happen immediately. I learn by practicing. I found this on the web. And the way we practice is he puts a thought in my head and then it comes to pass. Now, I want you to start to point out how often that happens. He puts a thought in my head. And then that same day, it comes to pass. That's Heavenly Father practicing with you. He does it all the time. He'll put a thought in your head, and then that same thing. Now, sometimes it's very random. I vividly remember not too long ago, 
I had an impression one day, they're going to call me and change my assignment. Now, it was not life or death that I know that. But I got an impression. They're going to call me and change my assignment. And about an hour later, I got a phone call and they changed my assignment. And then I almost felt Heavenly Father saying, that was me. Did, did you feel that? Did you notice the difference? I believe Heavenly Father practices with you all the time if you'll pay attention. He'll put a thought in your head that will come to pass. And the more you understand, the more you begin to acknowledge, the better you get. And pretty soon, you will be able to tell the difference between a bird and the crowd. So, practice with him. Now, that's not all that he puts in our head. Let's add to this list. Let's do this one. First Nephi 18, 1. Tell me how Nephi knew how to build a boat. He grew up in Jerusalem. Are there any ports in Jerusalem? Is Jerusalem known as a shipbuilding city? No, it's not even near a body of water. So how in the world would Nephi know how to build a boat? No way he built a boat. So how does the Lord, how does Nephi know how to build a boat? Read verse 1 very carefully. And tell me what Heavenly Father puts in our heads. When he speaks to my mind, what does he put in my head? Naomi? He puts pictures. One of the most powerful and I believe common forms of revelation is he puts a picture. He just puts a picture in my mind. I want you to think about all the times he has spoken to you by putting a picture in your head. <clears throat> Let me give you one of the most dramatic. I love this one. Now I'll admit this is a little, this is a big example. And I think the most common ones are just kind of simple. This is Russell Nelson when he was a doctor. Many of us have had experiences with the sweet power of prayer. One of mine was shared with a state patriarch from Southern Utah. I met him first in my medical office more than 40 years ago during the early pioneering days of surgery of the heart. This saintly soul suffered much because of a failing heart. He pleaded for help, thinking that his condition resulted from a damaged but re repairable valve in his heart. Extensive evaluation revealed that he had two faulty valves. While one could be helped surgically, the other could not. Thus, an operation was not advised. He received this news with deep disappointment. Subsequent visits ended with the same advice. Finally, in desperation, he spoke to me with considerable emotion. Dr. Nelson... I have prayed for help and I have been directed to you. The Lord will not reveal to me how to repair that second valve, but he can reveal it to you. Your mind is so prepared. If you will operate on me, the Lord will make it known to you what to do. That is faith. I want to meet this man someday. If you will operate on me, the Lord will reveal to you what to do. Please perform the operation that I need and pray for the help that you need. His great faith had a profound effect on me. How could I turn him away again? Following a fervent prayer together, I agreed to try. In preparing for that fateful day, I prayed over and over again, but still did not know what to do for his leaky tricuspid valve. 
Even as the operation commenced, my assistant asked, what are you going to do for that? I said, I don't know. We began the operation. After relieving the obstruction of the first valve, we exposed the second valve. We found it to be intact, but so badly dilated that it could no longer function as it should. While examining this valve, a message was distinctly impressed upon my mind, reduce the circumference of the ring. That's this one, okay? A thought came, reduce the circumference of the ring. That was the thought, but he didn't know how to do that. He knew what he needed to do, reduce the circumference of the ring. I announced that message to my assistant. The valve tissue will be sufficient if we can effectively reduce the ring towards its normal size. But how? We couldn't put a belt on as you would tighten the waist of trousers. And we couldn't squeeze with a strap as you would cinch a saddle on a horse. Then a picture came vividly to my mind showing how stitches could be placed to make a pleat here and a tuck there to accomplish the desired objective. I still remember that mental image complete with dotted lines where sutures should be placed. The repair was completed as diagrammed in my mind. We tested the valve and found the leak to be reduced remarkably. My assistant said, it's a miracle. I responded, it is an answer to prayer. The patient's recovery was rapid and his relief gratifying. Not only was he helped in a marvelous way, but surgical help for other people with similar problems had become a possibility. He would then spend the rest of his career flying around the world teaching people how to do that operation. I take no credit. Praise goes to the faithful patriarch and to God who answered our prayers. This faithful man lived for many more years and has since gone to his eternal glory. A simple picture. No words. Just a picture. One time Heavenly Father showed me how to repair a car with a picture. I just saw it. And if you study biology, you will study the works of Watson and Crick. Watson and Crick were the ones that discovered that DNA was a double helix. They had been trying to figure out the structure of DNA. And everything failed. They just nothing. They had no idea the structure of DNA. And guess what? Guess how science discovered the structure of DNA? One day, one of them had a picture come to their mind of a double helix. That's what they saw, a double helix. And guess what's the structure of DNA? A double helix. They went out, they did the experiments. Sure enough, that is the structure of DNA. How many inventions, how many good things happen in this world because Heavenly Father put a picture in someone's head? Now, I don't think very many people recognize that as revelation. One time my mom needed to make one more, she'd run out of material and she needed to make one more dress. It was for my wedding. She went to every material store and no one had that same pattern. She was really frustrated because she can't be one dress short. Then driving home from the material store, a picture came to her mind on how to fold the material she had left over in order to make one more dress. And sure enough, it worked. And she made one more dress because a picture came to her mind. Very, very powerful form of revelation. Now, one more, another one. Tell me what else he puts in my mind. How about, there's lots of places to find this. Well, let's find this one in 138 verse 11. 
Joseph F. Smith is pondering the spirit world and Jesus' visit to the spirit world. Tell me what the Lord sometimes puts in our mind. Thoughts is one. Pictures is another. What's the language here? What does the Lord suddenly put in my mind? Vision? What's his word? What's his word? Understanding. Understanding. The eyes of my understanding suddenly opened. In other words, all of a sudden, I just get it. I just get it. I understand. How many times in your life, think back, how many times have you been pondering? I don't, oh my goodness, I know why. I understand. Well, you're just brilliant, aren't you? Maybe you are. I'm not saying every sudden stroke of understanding is Heavenly Father. But one of the ways Heavenly Father speaks is a sudden stroke of understanding. How many times do you just understand? How many times do you see? How many times does a thought come into your head? Let me give you an example of this. I can't stand dangling cords. I absolutely hate Every time I come into my room, these, all these cords are dangling. So the one of the first thing I do is I, I, I hide the dangling cords, right? So whenever I mount a TV in our house, no dangling cords. That means the power cord has to be moved. So the outlet has to be moved up behind the TV. So in our bedroom, I was moving the outlet up. Now the way the outlet down low, I had a hole about that big I was fishing the cord into. So I've, I, I dug my hole. I'm fishing the cord down into the box below and I have a hole about that big and there's no way I'm hitting it. And it took I'm half an hour, I'm trying to hit it. And then all of a sudden, out of the blue, I know what to do. Fish it up. Go from the little hole up to the big one. Fish it up. Took me 30 seconds and I had the cord. Now, where did that sudden stroke of understanding come from. Again, I don't believe every sudden stroke of understanding is God, but one of the ways I know he speaks is the eyes of my understanding just open. And I understand. Very common form of revelation. He just helps me understand. Let's do another one. New Testament, John 14, 26. And I believe this is perhaps the most common. Maybe this is, this is Heavenly Father speaking to me in the most common way. And yet I'll admit, I don't always recognize it. Tell me what he does in verse 26. Yes, he testifies, but what else does he do? He reminds. And what do you think it means all things? Math? How many times have you been walking out of the house and suddenly remembered something you forgot? That was very important that you remember. You're smiling. Happens to you, doesn't it? All the time. How many times? I can't tell you how many times I've been out of the house and all of a sudden, ooh. 
I forgot that. That would have been so bad if I forgot that. Now, I do not believe that every reminder is Heavenly Father speaking to me. But one of the ways Heavenly Father speaks is by putting reminders in my mind. You want to know how many times in 30 years of teaching, you want to know how many times I've been in the middle of a lesson and then out of a sudden, out of the blue, a scripture I never thought about using suddenly pops into my head that would be perfect. Now, are there angels that herald that as a revelation from Heavenly Father? No, it seems to me I'm just suddenly remembering. And that's my temptation to not credit him. So back to Naomi's comment, what does it matter? Every time I remember something important, I thank Heavenly Father for the reminder. Thank you, Heavenly Father. That was really bad. That would have been really bad if I'd forgotten that. One of the ways he speaks is to remind, to bring all things to our remembrance. Middle of a math test. Oh, what was that? I know. I just remembered. Thank you, Heavenly Father. Thank you for the reminder. Now look at that list. Add it to last week's list. How common is revelation? You receive revelation. He is watching over you constantly. He's putting thoughts in your head and pictures in your head and understanding in your head. He's reminding you. He brings peace in confusion. He tells us, a, he gives us a feeling that something's right. And this one, I just want to harp on. One of the best ways he guides me is by not talking to me. If he's not talking to me, I must be going the right direction. Otherwise, he'd be telling me. Now, I can get cold to that voice, right? I can tune that voice out. There's a Native American tradition that everyone has a triangle in your heart. And when you sin, it spins. And the edges of that triangle hurt. So you get to do two things. A, you repent and you stop the spinning. And it doesn't hurt. Or you harden your heart. Now, what's a hardened heart going to do to a spinning triangle? It's going to chip off the corners. Eventually, that triangle is going to become what? A circle that will spin and spin and spin and spin and spin, and I won't even feel it. I can get cold to this, to the point where I no longer hear it. And that's a danger. But long before that happens, if you will say, I will be sensitive to this voice. Every time I'm doing something wrong, I want him to point out that I'm doing something wrong then your confidence that he's guiding you in the right direction should increase when that, ab- when that voice is absent. If I'm not doing the wrong thing, then I'm going the right direction. All right, that's just a few. Watch for more in the scriptures. But what's, do you see my point? Do you see what I'm trying to point out? He speaks frequently. Learn to hear it. Hear him. Hear his messages. So I give you a challenge that everything that comes that might be revelation, 
Acknowledge it. Be grateful for it. Thank Him for it. Tell Him that you think He just spoke to you. And that if He did, you're grateful for the communication. And watch what happens in your life when you take that approach. And I say that in the name of Jesus Christ, amen.